So if you open up your Bibles to John 1, verses 31 to 33. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's get started today on the message. And um, last two weeks ago, we talked about mission blessing. And what we learned and we reminded ourselves is that God, from the very beginning, proclaimed himself to want to bless people to want to give and to encourage and strengthen and protect. He's a blesser, and so he's filled with blessing, and we are the recipients of that blessing. But then all through the Scripture, he also says, I want you to be a blessing, and that is something that we are. We're a blessing to many people, and some of them we've never, we've never met, we don't know, and yet some we do, but we're called to be blessing, a blessing to other people. Last week... We talked, it was kind of a weird title, right? Uh, mission Losing. <laughs> we, we learned that Jesus lost his life so that we could have life. And God calls us to lose so others can win. Sometimes we lose our time because we're investing it in someone else. We, we would rather be fishing or shopping or golfing or whatever. But instead, we lose that time for ourselves and we give it to someone else. Sometimes it's our talent, our abilities, our gifts. Sometimes it's our possessions. And so we're doing that to bless other people. But, you know, God has a way of bringing that full circle to where when we lose intentionally, we intentionally lose so others can win, God brings it full circle back to us and he blesses us for being willing to do that. Well, today we're going to talk about mission engaging, mission engaging engaging. So what is it that God has called us to do? How are we supposed to be what God has destined for us to be and accomplish what God desires for us to accomplish? He desires and accomplishes a good marriage, a good family, uh, a good, when I say a good income, that doesn't mean volume, that means adequate he desires so many things for our lives that we're influential within our church and within our community and beyond. There's so much he wants us to accomplish in ministering to people, blessing them, encouraging them, leading them to Christ, praying for them, loving them, being patient with them, and the list goes on and on. But how do we do that? Well, I, I was 1972, and my father had a 1965 Mustang. Now, the mystery, and I, next time I, I meet with my dad, I'm going to ask him this question because it's been on my mind for a long time. My father has four children at this time, four children, and he has a Mustang. Two bucket seats and a little bitty seat in the back. You remember the 65 Mustang and what that looked like. Four kids. I remember sometimes there were two in the front, kids, like in one seat and two in the back, or sometimes it was like the oldest, he was up in the front because he was the oldest, and then we had to squeeze in the back. And I, re I remember that, but I also remember this car because it's the first car I ever drove. Stick shift, 
clutch, three-speed, bucket seats. My dad was 6'3". The seat was way back. It could not go up high enough, far enough, for me to actually be comfortable. So I'm on the edge of the seat with my arm around the steering wheel trying to do the clutch and the gas and, the, and steer. It, it was literally, it was like this, because I had my arm wrapped around, and I'm trying, and I almost went into a ditch, but I did not. It was a dirt road. But the thing about driving those manual cars is what? The clutch. The clutch, when you push in the clutch, engage the clutch, and you can put it in gear. You can put it in e-gear, or you can leave it in neutral. And you can push the gas pedal, and what do you get when you have the clutch in and you're pushing the gas pedal? You get sound and no movement. Well, you can hear that, that engine. Whoo, that sounds great. But you've got to engage the gears in order to get moving. And that's the key, to engage the gears so that the car begins to move forward, which is the purpose of a car. The purpose of a car is not just to sit in and to listen to the wonderful engine. It's actually to go somewhere. And so with us, our responsibility or our position is not just simply to be in the church or in a group or whatever. Our purpose is to go with God, to get moving with Him. We've got to be engaging with Him. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking, we're talking today about being filled with the Holy Spirit, how God has called us, desires us, and wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that there's an engagement with God inside of us and we are moving forward to success and fulfillment and to accomplishment. Well, today we're going to talk about three baptisms. There are three baptisms that the Bible talks about teaches us about and we can experience. Number one, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. Now, I hope you brought your Bible or you've got your, your iPad or your phone. We're going to look at about six or seven different verses uh, because we're talking about these three baptisms. So grab your, your phone or your iPad or whatever you've got and let's get busy. Let's look there at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. What body is that? The body of Christ, the church, the accumulated people who have been born again. So it is, we were baptized by one spirit into, so as to form one body into Christ, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. We were all given access to, we were all furnished with the spirit to drink. So the first is the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. He draws you in, he speaks to you, he, you could say the word woos you to Christ and he is the one who baptizes us into the body of Christ. Where we come to that point in time that I talked about when I was 12 and I said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I'm going to follow you. I love you. Here we go. And I was born again. The Holy Spirit baptized me and has baptized you into Christ. The second baptism is when the disciple baptizes you in water. This is a, it doesn't have to be a pastor or a professor of theology or anything like that. Just a believer, a disciple baptizes you in water. 
Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the disciple then baptizes us in water. Now, baptism in water is a symbol or sign of the previous baptism of the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus. How our old self, that, that self that was sinful and a sinner and was driven toward and controlled by sin, now that is dead. That sinful nature is now dead because there's a new resident in your life, the spirit, the life, the heart that God has given you. And so it's symbolizing that that old self is in a watery grave, and now we are raised to walk in newness of life. Just as, not that Christ had a sinful nature, but just as Christ was buried and rose again, our sinful nature is buried, and we are raised to walk in a newness of life. If you have not yet been water baptized, we're going to be doing that just a few weeks from now on the 22nd of uh, October. So I hope you'll participate in that. It's vitally important. Well, the third baptism is when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to look at there in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, which is, I think, on the screen before you. John the Baptist says this. This is John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here we see John the Baptist is making this declaration. Jesus, the one who's following me, the one who's coming after me, will baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and he adds the reference to fire. Fire is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. We covered that a few weeks ago uh, in, on a Wednesday night. Chad uh, Lynn did that teaching, and it was, it's just, there's a lot of symbols uh, of the Holy Spirit. But he says, I'm not, he, said, he didn't say Jesus is going to baptize you in a symbol. He said Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And then he adds, and fire. Now, there, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are very few events or statements, or parables, or teachings that are in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, there's a lot of overflow in that where they will repeat the same thing. They've written the same thing that Jesus did or said or taught. John's uh, Gospel is a bit different. But this statement from John the Baptist is in all four Gospels. So we just read it out of uh, Matthew. Now let's read out of Mark 1.8. He says, John the Baptist again is saying, I baptize you with water, but he, the one who's following me, Christ, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 3.16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the the straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So there again, we've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now John, which is what we just read a moment ago, but let's look at it again. John chapter 1, verse 31 to 33. John is saying, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. 
And this is interesting here. He says, I, I came baptizing in water. He did it out of obedience, but he's saying so that the Christ, the Messiah, would be revealed to Israel. Interesting. Keep, keep that in mind. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Now, let's take a moment right here and read that again. We're, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I want to take three words out of that verse for just a moment. Don't worry, I'm not going to change the Bible. Hang in there. Let's take as a dove out. And then let's read it. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven and remain on him. The as a dove is, is a flavor. It's an additive. The main part of that verse is what? John is saying, when Jesus was baptized, I saw the Spirit come down out of heaven and remain on him as a dove. But the crux of it is that he saw the Spirit come down out of heaven and remain on Jesus. Verse 33. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So God gave this revelation to John the Baptist that said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and do some baptisms, water baptisms, as a, as a sign of repentance. And people will come and repent of their sin. And he is the forerunner for the Christ. He's the one kind of priming Israel to repent and get ready for something that God is getting ready to do. And God reveals to him, he says, there's going to be a man that when he's baptized, you will see the Spirit descend out of heaven and come upon him and remain on him. And so I'm just making some assumptions here that John was pretty watchful over the people being baptized. And John was baptizing people. I believe John's disciples were baptizing people. But I think he was always kind of aware because he's like, okay, what is, what is that going to look like? What's, how am I going to know? He said, well, I, I know I'm going to know, but how am I going to know? And what's it going to look like? And so John, I think, is very aware. He's, he's very watchful over everyone being baptized. And then this time, Jesus is being baptized. And all of a sudden, out of heaven comes the Spirit as a dove and remain on Christ. And he goes, oh, that's it. He's the one. He's the one that's what? He's the one that's going to baptize us, you, we, in the Holy Spirit and fire. So we see the three baptisms. First is the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Christ, into the body of Christ, into his family. Secondly, the disciple baptizes us in water. It is a symbol of being born again. It is an act of obedience to God. But then thirdly, we see that Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at a couple more verses. We've got actually two more verses to look at. And uh, this is Acts chapter number 2. Here we find that the day of Pentecost has come. If you're familiar with the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And it is his last moment in conversation with the disciples. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Just go there and wait. 
You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. And so then he goes back into heaven. The disciples are standing there. Some angels have to go, go, <laughs> let's go. Don't just stand here. Let's, let's go. And so they go into Jerusalem, and they begin to pray and seek God. And I'm just, I'm just kind of imagining what that might have been like. It was uh, the 11 disciples, but then one of the first things they did was replace Judas. So now we have 12. And so, but then there's other disciples, other followers of Christ. And they're going like, okay, he said we're going to be given power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. What's that going to look like? What's that going to be like? I don't know, but let's go find out. And it was an adventure for them. It was a journey. It was like, okay, uh, we don't have all the answers, but let's go for this because we're followers of Christ, and that's what he said to do. And so they go into this place called the upper room, and they are seeking God and praying. I, listen, I don't know what they were praying, I, I, you know, but I'm just imagining that they were praying something like, God, we, we, just, we just want to tell people about you. We want to be obedient to you. You've, you've told us to spread the good news in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. How are we going to do that? We're only 120. There's like millions on the planet. How are we going to do that? Lord, we need you. We need your guidance. We need your leader. Well, they're just praying, God, we, we don't know how to do that. Lead us. Guide us. Do what Jesus said. We're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what that means, but Lord, we need that. And of course, 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, what happens? The Bible says there is the sound of a rushing mighty wind. There was the imagery of fire. And the disciples, 120 of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, a sign that was given for that is that they spoke in languages that they did not know. And so they're speaking in these languages. And so their Jerusalem is filled with people from all various areas and language groups. And so they hear the wind. They're like, what? What's going on? And then they hear these guys talking in languages that they're looking at these, like, those guys are like Galileans and fishermen. And I'm not trying to say they were like, these guys are stupid, but it was like, these guys are not like professors. They're, but they're speaking languages that we know they don't know. What's up with that? Have you ever seen something and come, and come to the wrong conclusion? Yes. We've all done that. Well, that, well, what they did, they're trying to figure it out. And they go, okay, it's, it's like 9 in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> but these guys, they're not professors. And they're speaking languages I know they don't know. And they're praising God. It's 9 in the morning. They're speaking languages they don't know. Not babble languages. And they're praising God. They're drunk. I'm not asking you to rat yourself out, but have you ever been in a bar and seen people drunk and they were glorifying God in another language? I'm just asking the question. You know? So, I mean, they're like, what? And they came to that conclusion. Well, they got to come to some conclusion. So, okay. Peter stands up and he says, guys, hold on. We're not drunk. It's really early in the morning. We have not been drinking. But then he says, this is that which is prophesied by Joel the prophet. And he begins to explain to them that this is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And this Christ 
that was crucified rose from the dead, and that's why this is all happening. That's obviously a paraphrase of that sermon. After he gets done preaching to them, teaching, talking, whatever you want to call it, uh, there was kind of a a combined voice, a, a combined like, okay, what do we do? It, the Bible says they were cut to the quick. They were convicted of their sin. They were convicted of their sinfulness. And it says, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What, tell us what to do. And that's when we come to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter replied, repent. What is that? Be born again. Become a Christian. Become a follower of Christ. Repent of your sin. And then be baptized, water baptism. He's saying you need to be born again, water baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. It's not a trick question. You don't have to respond. How many of you would believe that the gift that he's talking about, the gift of the Father, is salvation and the Holy Spirit? Baptism is not a promise. It's an act of obedience. But salvation and the Holy Spirit are gifts. So, which one is it? Yes. <laughs> it is salvation and the Holy Spirit. So he says, if you call on the name of the Lord, baptism in water is important, then the Holy Spirit we poured out on your life, vitally important. Remember, we've been given that spirit to drink from, that, that Holy Spirit has been furnished to us, and we drink from him from the very first verse that we read. Now let's turn to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8, we're going to see this in practical terms and this will be the last verse that we read, and then Micah's going to come up, and we're going to have a time of prayer, and we're going to ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter number 8, and verses 12 through 17. Now, this is where the disciple Philip was a great evangelist, and he went uh, to a lot of different places, and he would just talk to people about Christ. Uh, he would pray for people, and God would perform miracles. Uh, people were healed, set free from demonic oppression. And he went down from Jerusalem to an area called Samaria. And he went to this area, and he began to talk to them about Christ. He began to pray for people, and great things were happening. Acts 8, verses 12 through 17. But when they believed... Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. How many of you would say that is a great description that they were born again and water baptized? Are we, are we in agreement on that? They were born again. They believed what, what he preached. How many of you were born again after believing what someone taught you, what preached to you, taught you in Sunday school, maybe a parent, grandparent, uncle, aunt, maybe a friend in college? When you believed what was talked, said to you, you were born again. You said, yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. Then they were water baptized as you were water baptized. So we see we got a group of people who were born again and they were baptized. 
And then it says about this particular person here who was a sorcerer, he says Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Now verse 14 is what is so interesting to us and may fly in the face of what some people have been taught um, in, in years past. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they were born again, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the what? New believers. It does not say that when they arrived, they prayed for people who were not yet Christians. It doesn't say they prayed for people who were thinking about becoming a Christian. It says they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Uh, there are other translations that would use a little stronger language there, could like be poured out onto them or fallen on them or I don't know if you use overpowering them, but that... It's not far off of a fair translation. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them or overpowered them or um, come on them in a, in a way that is a come on way. It's, it, there's some force behind that word. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on these new disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. So there's three baptisms. If we're going to be fully engaged in God to be what he's destined for us to be, which is a follower of Christ, and if we're going to accomplish what God desires for us to accomplish, that is, be a witness for, the, for Christ, win people to Christ, lead people, encourage people, develop fruit within our life that other people can learn from. There our patience, our love, our joy, our goodness, our faithfulness, our mercy. If we're going to do all of that to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, we must have experienced these three baptisms. Now, if a person is, the Holy Spirit baptizes someone into Jesus, are they going to go to heaven? Yes, absolutely. The thief on the cross. It was not water baptized. Jesus said you're going to be in heaven. But water baptism is a, an act of obedience. It's a sign. It's a way of coming forward and saying, hey, I am a follower of Christ. It's a way of announcing that. And as a symbol of saying my old life is gone, I have a new life now. But he says there's another baptism where Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now, can I just... can. <laughs> Have you ever had one of those moments when you wanted to tell somebody the truth, but you didn't, you didn't want to hurt them? Well, I have. I've had that, and you have too. It's not what, what I'm getting ready to say. I have no fear is going to hurt you, but I, I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone here or not here. In the name of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's some strange things that have happened. They're, they're just some weird stuff. 
okay? And I just kind of want to say God is not responsible for our weirdness. You okay? You hanging in there? You all right? Nobody's passed out, right? Okay? Now, when a person loves God, it is possible that they go a little too far with something. But I'm going to ask you something. Would we rather people go too far or just shrink back and go, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good the way I am. That's fine. I think God wants us to pursue and go. I think, I think Peter is a great example because, man, he was like all in. And sometimes he just, he just said something and went, oh, I wish I could get that back. <laughs> sometimes he did something and went, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. I think, I think it was like Jesus was like, you go, man. It's good stuff. We'll, we'll hold you back every once in a while, but you keep moving. Let's go. Okay? Don't you want your kids to just come up to you and just give you a big, giant, great big hug, even though they have peanut butter and jelly on the, their hands? It's a messy thing, you know, but you're like, oh, but it was out of love. People act in a way in which they know and they understand, and maybe that's a little off. That does not negate the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What we are here to do today is to say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, I'm afraid something weird's gonna happen. Nothing weird's gonna happen. But what is gonna happen is we're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You okay with that? See? We can, we can, we can be truthful and honest to the Word of God and also say, God, I, I just want, I want to be baptized and filled with your spirit so that I have the power to accomplish everything you've called me to accomplish. Because without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, without just the filling, just the absolute full-in, all-in baptism of the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves gravitating toward the flesh and doing things for God out of ourselves instead of being led by the Holy Spirit.